Welcome to Connect Church. We're a new church in the East Windsor Heightstown area, and we're a church that is looking to connect to Jesus and community. We're so glad you've joined us. Welcome you here this afternoon. If we haven't met before, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, glad to be able to share with you today. Those that are joining with us via online, thank you so much for making the time uh, this afternoon. Uh, today we're wrapping up a series that we started a few weeks ago uh, called Deep Longings, where we're just kind of looking at some of the questions that we could be processing. And if you've missed the, the first two, you could go back on our YouTube channel and uh, catch them, I'm sure. Um, they'll be beneficial to you. And so today we're going to kind of close up the series looking at how do I make the most of my life? And uh, I don't know if you've ever had a moment where what you were told and what you experienced were two separate things. Like maybe people prepared you for something that you thought was going to be great and it kind of fell flat. Um, recently, uh, Megan told me that she was going to make a new dish for dinner one night. And uh, she said, this dish is called Change My Life Chicken. And I said, oh, all right, that's a bold claim to make about chicken, you know. I mean, I, I love chicken. It's probably my favorite meat. And so I, I was looking forward. It was good. The, the, the skin was crispy, and, and, and the meat was flavorful. There was potatoes and vegetables. It was, it was very good, but it did not change my life. Like, I got up from the table. I had the same problems I sat down with. Like, I'm like, hold on a second. They told me this would change my life. And, and, <laughs> that's it. The stomach was fuller. So I asked Megan, I said, Megan, I said, why did they call it this? And she said, well, because you bake it all in one pan and it's very easy to prepare, so it changed your life. So it changed her life, but, but, it, but, it, but it didn't change my life. And when, when she found out that I was going to uh, be the, sharing this as an illustration, she started ragging on me. She's like, why do you got to make fun of this? I'm like, okay, so what are the illustrations you would use for something that was a great, told to be a great experience but fell short? She's like... How about some of the dates that you took me on when we were dating? I was like, oh, okay. So apparently the Shell Museum at Long Beach Island was not a hit. I'm just learning that there now, but hmm, that's it. And, and those are some silly examples when we had those moments, right? But, but we know it's much more serious than that, right? We've had those moments may, maybe in this past school year. We thought, okay, this is the year I'm going to find a really good friendship with some, some people and just be able to gather in and be around people, and, and maybe it fell flat. Maybe it was that job, like hey, we got this job and we just thought this job was going to be a little different and it didn't really deliver. Or maybe we found that retirement is not that it's all cracked up to be or, or whatever the case may be. And, and facing disappointments is a part of our life, right? And, and we know that and we walk through it. But I wonder if we sometimes can feel that spiritually. We often talk about having new life in Jesus, right? And Jesus himself said he's come to give life to the full. But I wonder if we're actually experiencing that. Or we say, you know, I hear about this. It sounds good. Maybe I even see other people that seem to have some measure of that uh, in their life. They just seem to be able to commune with God on a different level or have this, this relationship with the Lord. But we wonder, I'm just not seeing it in my life. And so wherever you find yourself today, whether, whether you're somebody saying, hey, I'm coming through a dry season in my walk with the Lord right now, or you're even just saying, hey, I'm not even sure about Jesus, I'm trying to work that through, or everything's going great, I pray today that as we look at the scriptures, that we'll be challenged and ultimately strengthened by the Spirit to be able to walk a new life. And that's not an easy thing. But if we want to make a most of this life, we kind of have to add on those words, in Christ. Because we know outside of Christ, we're not going to find the most in this life. And so there's probably a lot of angles that we could take from this today. But I want to look at Romans 12, 1 to 2 to kind of be our background and, and help guide us today. The scripture says this, 
Paul writes to the Roman church, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so it's the first thing I want us to notice today. If we're wanting to make the most of this life, if we want to have new life in Christ, it's going to require a continual view of God's mercy, a continual view of God's mercy. If you go back and read this letter to the Romans, the first 11 chapters is what we would call doctrine. Uh, Paul is kind of reminding them of the truths of salvation. He reminds them that sin has damaged their relationship with God, but through Christ we've been restored. He reminds them of grace that only comes from the Lord, not by works. And so now when he starts in our passage here, he says, therefore, this is the overflow of all that. Because of what God has done, Paul says, in light of God's mercy. And I know we say this often, but it's worth repeating. Throughout Scripture, we see a familiar pattern. God first saves, then he calls us on how to live. And a lot of times we can reverse that and get that backwards. But even in this letter, Paul is saying, hey, God has saved you. God has done all these things, so now live this way. An example of this might be in the Old Testament with the Israelites. God did not come to them and say, okay, here's the law, obey it, then I'll save you and take you out of slavery. No, he brought them out of the slavery of Egypt, and he said, okay, in light of me saving you, now that you are my people, this is how I want you to walk. This is how I want you to live. And Paul is almost saying something very similar here. He's saying, hey, in light of God's mercy, be a living sacrifice. And we'll talk about that part in just a minute. But I, I wonder if we walk as people that have a continual view on God's mercy. When we think about the Lord, is mercy one of the first things that comes to mind? We, we, ha we have to answer that question. You know, whatever we put our focus on, whatever we put our sights on, that's going to guide how we live. And, and, and we know this, right? If you've ever been driving and you, you start daydreaming and you're looking out this side of the car, what happens? The car starts to go that way. In, in my case, I'm often turning around to see who's kicking who in the back seat, and right? What happens? The car starts going this way. Whatever my focus is on, that's what I'm going to follow. And, and many times our focus can begin to get on the problems in our life, the Maybe the challenges, the struggles, the issues, and, and I'm right there. That's, that's my challenge too. But really, Paul says, no, keep your focus on God's mercy in light of God's mercy. And we need to do this continually. Uh, where, where I live at my home, we have a, uh, a cherry blossom tree, and uh, it's really nice. There's a picture of it. Uh, I'm not a very good photographer, so someone that's a better photographer could probably capture it better. But for about two weeks a year, it's beautiful. It happens at the end of March. It just, you know, just kind of died out over the last few weeks. But after about two weeks, all the petals fall down. But for those two weeks, I just love coming home at the end of the day. Because like when the sun is shining through there, I, I stand out. And I, 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 I don't know, I'm getting sentimental in my age now, I guess. And I'll just look at the tree. And I'll be like, yeah, there it is. You know, the petals. It's just beautiful. It's a nice sight until you got to pick up all the petals. But, you know, I'm like, this, this looks great for two weeks. And a lot of times for God's mercy, we could treat it like the cherry blossom tree. We get all excited, like, oh, we just came through the Easter season. Like, the Lord saved us. His mercy is so great. Jesus' death and resurrection. And then maybe on a Sunday, we get charged up with the Lord's mercy. But then I think a lot of times as we're walking through the day-to-day -day life, the, the Monday through Saturday, we lose sight of God's mercy. And we forget how he's working. And so we need a constant view of this. It can't just be seasonal. It can't just be, be one moment. We need to continually look for this. And, and, and when we could think about God's mercy, a lot could be said, but maybe just for our time today, mercy is a core characteristic of God. We see it all throughout the Scripture, this deep compassion on God's behalf towards us. 
The scriptures remind us of it over and over. In fact, when it talks about Jesus' compassion, the, the Greek word behind it literally means a welling up of the bowels. Like there's this intensity to it. And almost every time the scriptures talk about God's mercy, it's accompanied with action. So this is not just, oh, God loves us. That's true and that's wonderful. But this is God loves us and he's continually showing it. And he's continue work, continually working uh, in our lives. And so we need to keep that in view. You know, many times our, our, our disillusionment comes from when maybe things are not going the way they want them to go, or maybe we look at our failures, we feel not good enough, or, hey, I didn't live right, and we've all been there, I've been there. But can I just continually view God's mercy? Can I let that orient myself? If I want the most of this life, my focus can't be on any other things. It's got to be on the Lord's mercy. Second thing, if we want to make the most of this life, it's going to require a continual sacrifice, a living sacrifice. This is what Paul said in Romans. He said, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And that would carry very sharp imagery for his audience. Both, both the Jewish and Gentiles uh, in, in Paul's audience at the Roman church would have been familiar with animal sacrifices. In fact, for, for the Jewish believers, they could think back to Leviticus. They had a whole book that would detail right when these sacrifices were to be offered and how. At the time of the writing of of Romans, sacrifices were still happening daily in the temple in Jerusalem. So, so it was all in their mind. But yet we know from the scriptures that because of Christ, we're now the temple where the Spirit dwells. But then Paul also says we're the living sacrifice. In order to understand that, we have to kind of understand what the sacrifices were in those days. They would bring their choicest flock to the Lord. It had to be an animal that was perfect, with no defect, without blemish. This is what made it holy. And they would bring it continually in the sense that year after year or, or at the different times, they would offer these sacrifices. And so for us, can we just pause for a moment and just celebrate Jesus? Like Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. He's the final sacrifice. He did in greatest measure with all those sacrifices of the Old Testament we're, we're pointing to. And so when Paul tells us to be a living sacrifice, in no way is he telling us that Jesus needs a little bit of help, so we have to sacrifice too. He's not saying that, or he's not saying like, hey, this is how you actually obtain it. None of that. Again, it's in view of God's mercy. So in view of what God has done in my life, I'm called to be the sacrifice. And just like the sacrifices of the Old Testament, we're made holy as well, not by our own effort, by what Christ has done. And by what Christ has done also gives us the power to continue to live in holiness. And we know that's a challenge for us, right? That's a struggle. And so that's another reason in view of God's mercy in our life but we need to be a continual living sacrifice we have to daily climb up on the altar and say here i am lord you know we want to have the most of this life we want new life the path is sacrifice and that seems backwards right to me if i if i want the most i have to get more i, I have to to attain something you know I, i'm very much a to-do list person i feel like i heard somebody else say that here today i'm a to-do list person and like when I get to the end of the day and I can look at the list and I'm like, all right, the grass got cut and this got done and I finished it, I feel good. I'm like, yes, a bunch of things got done. And maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you're like, I'm a person that's just like, so I want to sit back. I don't want to worry about, about the list. Neither of those ways will lead to fulfillment. Because I could have the most productive day any, ever. It's not going to make the most of this life. You could have the most relaxed day ever. It's not going to make the most of this life. It's not going to be through accumulating any wealth or possessions or even the quality of our relationships. All these things are great things, but they won't make the most of life. The most of life is going to be the path to sacrifice. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 
For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So the path to finding our life, making the most, is losing it. What, what, what does that look like? There's probably a lot can be said, but maybe just for today, it's where's our focus? If our focus is on Christ's kingdom, we're, we're, we're being a living sacrifice. Or are we focusing on our own kingdom? Everything in our culture tells us what? Gain influence, build your brand, make yourself known, be noticed. God's kingdom says, lose your life, be in my service, deny yourself, follow me. And I wonder if we would be amazed, and I speak this to myself today as well, I wonder if I would be amazed and how fulfilling life would be if I actually lived as a living sacrifice. If my life was actually dedicated to the Lord and his kingdom. And as we look around here today, one of the things I love for our church and those watching online, we, we represent all different stages and seasons of life from, from younger to older and, and different times. And it can be easy to look at others even within the body of Christ and be like, oh, just when I reach that point, it'll be good. When I reach that, if I had more money, it would be good. If I had more time, it would be good. If I was married, it would be good. If I had this job, it would be good. If I was retired, it would be good. If I was fill in the blank, whatever other context we see that we think is better. But I'm sure if we found those people here that are in those seasons and spots, they would tell us, it's like change your life chicken. They sat down at the table. They still got the same problems. They still got the same things. Why? Because those things provide a shot in the arm in the short term, but they're not going to do anything in the long term. The path to most of this life, to making the most of this life, is going to be through sacrifice. It's going to be through sacrifice. It's funny how sometimes we can get the thing that we think will fulfill us, and then we realize it won't. I, I mentioned to you before, I'm a, I'm a to-do list person. And so uh, a few weeks ago, I decided that I, I needed a little more shelving in, in my shed, and I had to kind of organize some things. And so I got, I got some lumber, and I, I'm, I'm going out there to build it. And that's exciting to me. I enjoy those things, you know. I think I'm a little Bob the Builder over here, you know, kind of kind of doing my thing. And, uh, and, and it was going well until about halfway through the day as I'm doing it. And I'm like, if I stand up and hit my head on the shelf that I just built one more time, it's not going to be good. If my kids move the pencil that I'm trying to mark the wood with one more time, you know. And so the thing that I thought was going to be great and awesome ended up being like, I just cannot wait until this thing is over. Right? It's, just, it's just not that good, right? And, and, and so I wonder, there has to be a better way. There has to be more to life than building shelves in a shed and feeling good about it, right? There's, there's got to be more. There's got to be something else. And what if I actually trusted that focusing on the Lord's kingdom would make the most of my life? And, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean vocation, right? Uh, the application today is not that, okay, everybody quit your jobs and go be a pastor or a missionary. Maybe God's letting you do that. If he is, go do it. But, but, but what if the guy was saying, hey, I want you to bring my kingdom to that workplace, to that school, to, to your community, to the group that you're part of, the PTA, whatever you find yourself in, a continual sacrifice. Let's read the scripture one more time. So we know that we need to make sure we're living in view of light of God's mercy. We want to make sure we're a continual sacrifice. We'll just read the scripture here again to reorient ourselves. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so we want this new life. We're trying to find it. 
we're keeping God's mercy in view. We're living as a sacrifice. But then Paul also adds, we need continual transformation. A few months ago, our Connect Kids actually memorized verse 2 of this. And so, and I just want to give a shout out to Riley and the Connect Kids team. They do awesome. I love that they build scripture memory uh, into, into part of that. And so, uh, David will often come home and, and, and we'll, we'll talk him through and remind him. But they use a slightly different version. I, I like theirs better. They, theirs read, don't live the way the world lives. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. And, and, and when David was reciting it to me, I was like, what verse are you saying? Because I didn't learn it that way. And, and, and then I started, thinking, I'm like, don't let your way of thinking be completely changed. If I really want the most of this life, my way of thinking needs to be completely changed. You know, Paul writes, he says, hey, there's a pattern to this world. Don't conform to it. And, and we've already talked about it, right? The world will tell us that we need all those things that we've talked about before. That, that's certainly a part of the pattern, but I think the world takes it a step further. The world's not only going to tell us, hey, we need these things to make the most, but the world's also going to tell us what it perceives to be good. The world is going to tell us what it perceives to be truth. And so when Paul says, hey, you're going to do this, and you're going to be transformed, and you'll know God's will, I don't think in this context he's talking about making decisions in terms of God's will. Pastor Frank talked about that last week and did a phenomenal job. But I, I don't think he's getting at that here. I, I think really what he's getting at here is the conduct of our life. A lot of times in Scripture, not every single time, but a lot of times in Scripture when it talks about what's God's will for us, it's talking about how we live and, and what we do. Are we living the commands of God? This is, this is God's will. And so Paul says, hey, there needs to be this continual transformation so that we can know what is good, so that we can know what God's will is, and so that ultimately we can live it. Because the world will tell us what is good and how to conduct our lives, at least in its view, or how at least it, it perceives truth. And so Paul says, watch out for that pattern. And we know it's easy to adopt what the world says is good, right, for, for many reasons. There, there's pressure, right? We don't want to be looked at strangely, right? And, and so it's easier to kind of go with the flow, right? That makes sense. We're also immersed in this world from work to school to social media. Like, it's, it's, it's no wonder the world shapes us, right? We're around it 24-7. It, it's what we're in. And, and, and we could even add on to that, that conforming to this world is rewarded. Those who do seem to be the ones that are getting all the things that, that we maybe think that we, that we want to get. You know, a lot of times we talk about the, the, the four idols uh, that we see in our life, power, comfort, control, approval. And when we think about what the world promises, it often tells us you can grasp these things. But Paul says, no, don't be conformed to that, to that pattern. Now, just to note, we know that not everything in the world is evil. For example, baseball is of this world. I'm going to submit to you that baseball is not evil. Some would argue. Uh, if you're talking about the Yankees, Phillies, or Braves, yes, pure evil. Just get that on the recording. Make sure that's out there, right? But, but I think Paul is talking here about the systems of the world, right? The way the world is. So we have to be able to sift. We have to have the ability to say what is true, what is not true. My grandmother used to say it like this. She would say, eat the meat and leave the bones. Right? We got we to be able to kind of sift through things. What, what, what is the truth? And you say, well, how does that relate to having new life? Like, like, how does knowing God's will and knowing how God wants me to live connect to making the most of my life? And, and, and I'll, let's just read the scripture again, and then, and then we'll talk about it. I'm going to read the whole Connect Kids version here today. This is, this is what it was. It said, don't live the way the world lives. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. Then you'll be able to test what God wants for you, and you will agree that what he says is right. And I, I just love the wording of that. I will agree that what God says is right. 
Because if we're honest, there's probably a lot of times that we don't agree. We want to do what we think is right or what others say is right. And so how does agreeing that what God has said is right make the most of this life? I would suggest this, that the commands of God may be challenging, but they're not burdensome. The scriptures actually tell us that they're not burdensome, right? They may be challenging. They're hard to live. We live in this battle of flesh versus the spirit. My flesh may not want to live out the command. Like We get that. But the commands actually bring life. They're the best way to life. There's just a couple of examples. Take forgiveness as an example. There's been numerous studies done that show that those who forgive are mentally and physically often in better shape than others. That's not even talking about the spiritual end of it. In fact, studies show that forgiveness lowers your risk for heart attack and could lower your cholesterol. So I could eat more cheese if I'm willing to be more forgiving, right? You know, like, like forgiveness has these benefits. Again, that's not even touching on the spiritual end of things. It's the best way to live. They've done studies on people that routinely Sabbath, and it's an average of anywhere to 4 to 11 years longer people live who regularly take a Sabbath. When we think about God's will for us to be patient and kind and loving, if I'll take time to be transformed, I will certainly agree that what he says is right. This is the best way to live. We referenced the Israelites before. We think about the Ten Commandments that they received, and we look at that and say, oh, the Ten Commandments. They look at that and they say, wow, this is good news. To a people that were enslaved for 400 years, taking a day off and, 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 and not stealing and not coveting, all this, how many times do you think they were the victim of those laws? This is good news to them. It's actually the best way to live. I will agree that what God says is right. And so how do we do it? How, how do we continually be transformed? And again, it is continual because we'll, we'll revert back, all right? It just, it's just what happens. And so Paul actually says, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there's a lot of these, okay, well, I want to be transformed. I got to renew my mind. Well, what does renewing my mind mean? Maybe we could put a definition like this. It's reorienting ourselves to the truth. It's continually coming to mind and say, what is the truth in this moment? Listen to what the scriptures say about those who are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. So Paul writes to the Corinthians, he said, okay, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. He writes like, it's a done deal, it's happened. St. Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says this, Ephesians 4. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so in Ephesians, Paul makes it sound like this is a process. So to the Corinthians, hey, you're new in Christ. To Ephesians, hey, can, keep putting on this newness in Christ. So which is it? Yes, it's both. We are made new in Christ at that moment, what Christ has done for us, but yet we know there's still this gap. There's still this gap where we don't agree with what God says. We might mentally agree, but we don't functionally agree in how we live. And, and, and I've been there. I'm sure, I'm sure you've been there as well. And so Paul says closing that gap is renewing our mind. Closing that gap is coming to a moment where we reorient ourselves to the truth. We, we have some language for this in our church, uh, both in, in our small group context and our discipleship pipeline context. We have two things that really are doing the same thing. We talk about Kairos moments, and we talk about gospel coaching. And if you've been around and you've heard any of those things, they're really driving at the same point. They're looking at our lives and just saying, okay, where is God working? What's happening in our life? And is it in line with the gospel? 
And so as I look at my life and I see the decisions I have to make or the challenge I'm going through, am I orienting myself to the truth of what Jesus says in those moments? He's trying to point us back to how Jesus' death and resurrection affects all that. And I think Paul is saying something very similar here. Renew our minds over and over again. Okay, how? Just a couple of ways. There's probably way more than this. I'll talk very quickly, three ways. First, we renew our minds through Scripture. Scripture is God's word to us. It's the standard of truth. I would suggest this is the primary way that we can renew our mind. And so spending time in the word regularly will help us renew our minds. Right? And again, it's going to help us make the most of life because we'll know how to live the way that God says. And so I'd encourage you, if it's a challenge for you to get into Scripture, connect with someone and let them walk through you with that because there's importance there. Second way that we can renew our mind is by taking our thoughts captive. The scriptures tells us to do this. Again, I love the word imagery there. It's like I'm standing guard. I have this thought. Okay, I'm going to stand guard, and now I have to process it. I'm not just going to accept this thought because I had it. I'm not just going to accept this thought because someone else had it and told it to me. I'm going to take it, and I'm actually going to filter it. What does God's word say to this? What is the truth of this? And so whenever we're feeling something or experiencing something or deciding something, does this align with what God says is true? A, a way, I think, to practice this is, is something that we probably all do every day. Watch TV. Whatever you're watching, whatever TV show you're watching, they're trying to communicate something, right? They're trying, they're trying to teach something. And so at the end of the show, ask yourself, okay, what were they trying to teach in this? Now let me take it captive. Is it true or is it not true? And filter it through the Word of God. The third way that maybe we could renew our minds is by engaging in community. I think this is one of the biggest benefits of, of, of biblical community, having others that can speak truth to us having others that can help guide us in scriptures, maybe even help us process some of those thoughts that we're, that we're taking captive. But the reality is we have to make space for these things. All of those, whether it's scripture, slowing down to, to process what we're thinking, or engaging community, all that takes time, and it will not happen naturally. Naturally, it will be the opposite. Naturally, we will conform to the pattern of this world, and so we have to intentionally take time and steps to be transformed. And so new life, making the most of life. We want it. We desire it, but yet it seems so elusive. The path, keep God's mercy in view, be a living sacrifice, and continually be transformed. I want to invite the worship team to come back uh, this afternoon. And, and maybe we could spend some time reflecting on what that transformation looks like in our life. And it really all starts with the gospel. In the big picture, Jesus has done the work to transform us. We can't even do that on our own, right? But Jesus has done the work to transform us. Are there things that we can do? Are there steps that we can take? Yes, and we need to. But it's only possible because of Jesus. I said before, making the most of this life, we have to add in Christ because all other attempts will simply be futile. They won't work. They won't work. But because of Jesus' death and resurrection, life to the full has become possible for us. So in view of God's mercy... Today, can we say, in view of God's mercy, because of Jesus, I've been restored to God. And I want to encourage you, if you're here, and whether you're watching online or you're with us here in the room today, no matter what your situation, if you're saying, you know what, I, I've never truly embraced God's mercy in that way. Maybe you never even thought of God as a merciful God. We, we might say, well, we think God's out to get me. You know, God's like, you know, if I, if I go 26 mile an hour and it's 25, like, he, there's God. He's ready, ready to come after me. But maybe the offer of the Lord today is, hey, just like with the Israelites, just like with the Romans, I'm offering you my mercy, then I'm going to call you on how to live. 
And we maybe have gotten so caught up on how I live that we've missed his mercy. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never trusted your life to Christ, you can do that today. What that simply means is this. It's simply saying, Jesus, your death and resurrection, that's what changes me. That's where I'm putting my hope. That's where I'm putting my faith. And if you're making that decision online, there's a link that you can click. We want to be able to follow up with you and walk with you and do this in community. If you're here in person, there will be a a card at the end of the service. You can just jot that down there, and we'll, we'll be sure to connect with you in that. But maybe we've already taken that step, and that's great. We still need to live in light of God's mercy. We still need that continual transformation. And the Lord still provides it to us. It's not just the Lord says, okay, I saved you, and now go figure it out. No, he wants to walk with us. And so just a couple things that maybe we can focus on as application points today. Maybe we need to get better at recounting God's mercy. We could get good at it at Thanksgiving time. You know, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. We could get good at it maybe on, maybe on a Sunday or in a connect group and all that's great. But maybe could we get better at it daily? Maybe it's verbally sharing it with somebody else. Maybe it's writing it down. But can we become people that are continually putting in front of us, oh, here was God's mercy today. Here's God's mercy today. Here's where I saw it. Second thing maybe we can do is can we get better at celebrating Jesus as better? You know, most of the time, like we were talking about those things, if I just had this, if I just had that, and we fill in the blank, and we view those things as the better. If I just got more time, life would be so much better. If I just got this, life would be so But maybe we could actually put and say, Jesus, I'm actually putting my hope and my trust in whatever that blank is. And it's not better than you. Whatever that, whatever that blank is, is, is telling us it will provide, it's nothing compared to the Lord. And so, Lord, I'm acknowledging you as the better. And I think even just taking a moment to say that or even writing it down, it's renewing our mind. It's reorienting ourselves to truth. We probably knew it already, but we forgot because we're in this world. Don't be conformed. Be transformed. And so I'd encourage us to begin to do that regularly within our life. Some of that will take the form of the spiritual disciplines, reading the Bible and prayer and in community, but can we slow down to do that? And so for our time of response today, I'm going to invite you to stand if, if, if you wouldn't mind or if you're able. Uh, but maybe just a couple of ways to respond. First, prayer. Um, the staff will be here. We'll be glad to pray for you for any need, whether it's related to what we talked about today. Maybe you're walking through, how do I actually be a living sacrifice? And you want prayer for that, we're glad to pray. Maybe it's about something else, we're glad to pray about that as well, of course. Maybe the response today is one of mercy as the worship team leads us in worship. It's, Lord, in light of your mercy, and we want to give our verbal praise. That That's good, too. But maybe we actually need to take some thoughts captive. And I encourage you, if you've got a pen and paper, you could do it. You could do it on your phone. Maybe you're just working through some things in your life right now, and you're like, hey, I need to actually sit for a minute and process. Does this align with the truth of God's word? Do it right now. Don't wait till you go home because you're not going to do it when you go home. Do it now and spend time in that. Maybe you're saying, you know what, I just need to sit in the scriptures for a few moments because I know that God's trying to speak to me. Okay, go ahead, pull your Bible app out, get your Bible, whatever. Spend the time now. Let's do it. You can do it at home. We need to. But but, but let's take advantage of this moment now. So as the worship team leads us, however the Lord is speaking to you, I'd, I'd encourage you to respond in that way. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this encourages you to take your next steps in your faith journey with God. You can check us out more on connectchurchnj.com. Have a great day.